everyone, and welcome back to Leaving It at His Feet Every Day LIFE podcast. Um, it's been a minute since we were able to record, but we've had something in mind for quite some time um, that we wanted to share with you based off of a lot of circumstances, I guess you could say, um, and things that we have observed going on in the world around us. Interesting little tidbit that we'll get back to later is um, we finally decided to go forward with this um, after a little spark from a a tea advent calendar. <laughs> yep. And for our, um, our tea lovers out there, and no, we are not paid for this in any way, shape, or form, but we happen to love the Republic of Tea, and that is the advent calendar that we were using that we got this from. Um, that was a nice time. It was better than anyone. Yes, yes it was. We have to find some more like that, but we like our tea, and we love the Republic of Tea. It's completely natural and organic and has the most amazing flavors. Um, but it was a nice time for us to get together and chit-chat, but the Advent calendar had little quotes every day. Yeah, should we bring up the Minister of Leaves? <laughs> the Minister of Leaves, yes. It was quotes from the Minister of Leaves. I am going to share two of them with you today, including the one that sparked this, but um, just not right at this moment. But just an interesting tidbit how you can get thoughts, ideas, and inspiration from just about anything around you, including your tea, <laughs> if one is open to it. Um, I do believe the Lord can speak through anything, including the Minister of Leaves. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what we really want to talk to y'all about today is contentment. I think that's a very big one, and I don't think it's any mistake that we are talking about this today, because we actually had planned to do this sooner. Um... I really wanted to do this one a lot closer to our last podcast, but the events that have played out since that last podcast, I think, fit into this very well. Um, originally, this first came into my mind dealing with the whole, to tell you how far back this has been in my mind, um, I have wanted to do one on this since the whole beginning of the lockdown. Um, you know, there were so many people complaining and upset and griping and couldn't wait, couldn't wait, couldn't wait for things to get back to normal. And I thought they were missing the point. Um, it feels like there's always this feeling of, I need to move forward or I need to go back. Exactly. Um, to me... As I was experiencing the lockdown, um, and, and I'm, I don't want to be taken wrong here. I get that there were a lot of difficulties during that. Um, I experienced that as well. My husband was out of work for six months during this time. Um, <clears throat> so I get that. I totally get that. Um, but being upset about it, griping about it, complaining about it, constantly striving for things to go back to normal and the way they were, I didn't see what that helped. Um, matter of fact, in my opinion, what resulted in my household from this lockdown, I didn't want things to go back to the way they were. In our world, 
I didn't find, not, not just in my home, but in our world, I didn't find that the way things were was so great to start with, you know? Um, I mean, look what it led to anyway. But in my home, I, I got an unexpected time to have my, my husband and my children have their father home with them for six months. And while, yes, that made things very trying and difficult for us financially, I mean, we're still recovering from that. Um, but it was so worth it to have him here with us every single day. During this time, he stepped into a role that I had been praying for for years, that if this had not happened, I'm not sure if it ever would have if he ever would have stepped into that or how much longer it would have been, but he's finally stepped into the role of the spiritual leader of our household. We started having family Bible studies together. He started um, sharing interest, you know, with, with his children. If it tells you anything, um, my youngest daughter, she's nine years old, um, she had written in her little journal a list of things that she loved about COVID-19. Now, that is not something that you hear a whole lot of. The things that I love about COVID-19. But, you know, they say out of the mouths of babes, when you have so many adults who should have so much more intelligence and wisdom complaining and griping about everything that they hate about it, she's looking at what she loved about it. And the number one thing that she loved about it was having her father home. The second thing that she listed was that we had started our family Bible studies. <clears throat> These things would not have happened without that lockdown. Our family grew closer during this time. So for us, we had, and I could go on, but there's no need for me to do all that, just saying that a lot of wonderful things happened within my household as a result of this. But if I had looked at it from a different perspective, I could have missed all that. I, I could have just been worried and upset and griped and complained about the fact that my husband was out of work because of this. I, I could have been upset and griped and complained because everything was shut down and we didn't have the conveniences that we used to have. Um, I could have constantly just been unsatisfied until everything goes back to normal. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is first of all, nothing's ever going to go back to normal. And secondly, I don't want it to. I didn't like that normal. I'm not really sure why anybody would. <laughs> I remember someone bringing up the fact that, um, you know, when it was turning to 2020, people were like, no, we've got to get out of this uh <laughs> you know, like all through the, I guess the 2010s and all, you know, already new things, obviously, that caused the stress. But then they're like, we gotta go back, we gotta go back. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And see, that's just it. It's always a state of wanting better, never content with where you're at. You know, even right now, everybody was all about, oh, can't wait to get out of 2020 and get into 2021, and then. Uh, immediately within the first week of 2021 people were like you know what I have a feeling that we're going to be longing for 2020 again and it's true we are always in this state of wanting 
something more. And that's basically what I wanted to talk about right now. I mean, first, okay, it started with the COVID thing. Because I find it no mistake, no accident or coincidence, as I don't believe in coincidence, that this podcast got postponed till today because now what is the big thing but the election? Um, a lot of people are upset on both sides regarding this election, understandably so. I mean, it's a mess. Um, there are a lot of feelings involved. There's, um, I guess, even lifestyles, you know, as far as jobs and futures and whatever involved here. There's a lot at stake. And a lot of fear. Yes. Yes. There's a lot of fear. And fear evokes a lot of emotions, strong emotions, which leads to a lot of harsh actions. Um, but, you know, what do these two things have in common right now? I mean, actually, they have a lot in common if we really wanted to go down that road. But this is not a political podcast, so we won't do that. <laughs> but the main thing in my mind that these two things have in common is that they are circumstances. They are circumstances. And when you are swayed by your circumstances, that leads to the constant discontentment. <clears throat> I think about it, fear is sort of closely intertwined with discontentment, isn't it? In one form or another, like fear of being behind the times, fear of not having what you're supposed to have. Whether it's a small fear or a larger, more tangible one. It's interesting that you bring that up. Because there were two things that came into my mind today that while I was thinking about this. One, um, the quote that I had there from um, one of our previous studies, I think the one we did with Corey Ten Boom's, um, thank him for the plea. <laughs> um, if y'all missed that one, you need to go back and listen to that one. Learn what thank him for the pleas means. Um, but it was talking about when we... How, how what is going to happen tomorrow is not really what stresses us out. And it's not really the fear of what's going to happen. It's the fact that we want to control it. And I find that is the same thing. I had that same thought today that, you know, a lot of this discontentment that we are experiencing, um, it'll become plain in some of the scriptures I have to read this, but a lot of what we are actually experiencing is that we want to control it. It's not so much the circumstances, it's that the circumstances aren't what we want them to be. And we want to control it. <laughs> we want to fix that. And we don't know how to fix that. So we get discontent. We get disgruntled. We get worried. We get scared. Whatever. It all boils down to the same thing. Like you said, fear and discontentment go hand in hand. But so does bitterness and anger. Um, I would even say cynicism. Um, it all goes hand in hand and it all leads back to the same thing. We want to control our circumstances. When we think we know the right thing to happen and then it doesn't, we feel like we've been ripped off somehow. Exactly. And that goes back to another one of the studies we talked about, those expectations. Definitely. We have those, we feel like we're entitled to these things. We're entitled to this happiness. We're entitled 
to things being our way. And when we don't, we feel like we've been ripped off. And then we get upset and we're discontent. The other half of that, though, that came to my mind was contentment itself. When a person feels truly content, I completely equate that with peace and joy. And we know that joy, true joy, can only come from Him. True peace can only come from Him. And when we are content, I believe contentment is abiding in Him. We realize that everything that we need is in Him, and we need not look outside or anywhere else, and therefore our circumstances cannot move us. If we're being moved from our circumstances, then that means that we're looking to the wrong thing to fulfill our needs. And they can't. And so therefore, as long as you're doing that, you will never know that contentment. You will never know that peace. And you will never know that joy. How difficult is it to feel content when everything's going your way? But I challenge that. I challenge that. I don't think that's contentment. That's temporary happiness. Emphasis on the temporary. Because let's say, okay, <clears throat> you have planned this. Are we talking about tea? We planned this beautiful, elegant tea party. <laughs> okay. With my cookies. Yes. <laughs> so everything is set just the way you like it. All the decorations are perfect. Everything is beautiful. Everybody that you invited came you had this perfect new outfit. Everything was great and wonderful. And you're so happy or content, you think. But then, thunder starts to rumble. Rain starts to pour. Everything's soaked. Everything's wet. Everything's ruined. If your happiness was vested in the fact that everything was going the way that you wanted, then what so easily happens? Suddenly, you're discontent because you didn't get your way once again. <clears throat> but if your contentment was truly contentment, which can only really come from being up from abiding in him, then you could simply look at that as an opportunity. Let's turn this party into something else, you know. Let, let's go inside. Let's turn on some music. Um, you know, some pride and prejudice with our tea. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, look at it as an opportunity to change it into something else. Maybe it was always meant to be something else. You know, that's something I've learned over the last few years is that, you know, we make all these plans. And then when things don't go the way we want to, we think our plans were interrupted. But maybe our plans were the interruption. Maybe it was meant to be something else all along, and we were actually getting in the way. Yes, and I think it's so very likely because so many of the best things that happened were completely unexpected and unplanned. And a lot of times, you know, something really neat will happen, and you couldn't recreate it if you tried. <laughs> it will so only true. happen when you're not trying. <laughs> so true. So very true. And, you know, I often wonder how many of those awesome moments I've missed over the years simply because 
I wasn't seeing it as an opportunity. I got all disgruntled and upset because my plan got messed up. Instead of seeing it as my plan was very likely interrupting his plan. And his plans are always so much better. And if we just look at it that way, we get to experience those awesome things that you're talking about that you couldn't recreate no matter how hard you try. Those are some of the best and richest moments in life. And I think those are the things that make, you know, when it, it talks about us, we're not meant to just exist. We're meant to thrive. We're meant to have an abundant life. He came for us to have an abundant life. To me, those moments are what give us that abundant life. Those are the moments that really make us feel alive and thriving. We miss out, I think, on so many of those moments because we immediately get discontent when our plans are interrupted. But that's just it. They're our plans. Our plans. <clears throat> to me, our plans should always be tentative and written in pencil, ready at any moment to be changed. If you live that way, then you can look at it as when they get interrupted, there's your opportunity. It's very likely his plan. And you sketched yours in over the top of his. <laughs> but you can erase it. You can erase it and go along with his and experience probably something pretty amazing and wonderful. Yes, when you think about that and what he planned versus what we planned. It's, um... I don't, I don't want mine over the top of his, but you know, it took me a long time, sadly, to see that. Um, it was actually a C.S. Lewis quote that opened my eyes to that for the first time a couple of years ago, and I just rocked my world. You know, we occasionally read those scriptures or hear those quotes or hear that sermon that has that one line that just completely changes everything for you, and that was one of them. Um, I've never forgotten it, and I don't think I ever will. And it really should change the way you live. It should change the way you see things and, most importantly, how you react to them. But that is definitely a level of discontentment when it shows that just your circumstances completely sway your entire day. It's like one little thing happens. You're like, oh, my whole day is ruined. <laughs> Why? Why is your whole day ruined? You know, you still have the rest of the day. What else does that day hold for you? What was really planned for you that day? You should be looking at it in expectation and excitement. You know, I, I love the idea. I forget where I read this from. Um, might have been experiencing God. I don't know. Um, I love the idea that our walk with him, it's like, you probably appreciate this because you understand my thrill-seeking side, but <laughs> it's like a an adventure ride, like a thrill ride. <laughs> you never really know what's coming around the corner, and it can happen, you know, instantaneously, you know, and, and it has big, um, you, you might shoot up, you know, on a, a big hill or a mountaintop, and you might drop all of a sudden, your stomach drops out from underneath you, you know, but it's still amazing. The whole experience is still amazing, and you just never really know what's coming. It's an adventure. Some people are scared by those experiences. 
this is true. <laughs> this is true. And, and yeah, it can be scary sometimes, but if you truly have the faith in him, um, which is interesting because that comes up in one of the verses I have this year, but if you really have that faith in him that he's never going to leave you, while you still might be a little nervous, um, you don't have to be afraid because you know he's there. And you know if you believe that he is going to work out everything for your own good, then there should also, while there might be nervousness, there should be a level of anticipation. Because you know that something amazing is going to come at the end of all this. You might go through some bad stuff. Yeah, he tells us that. A lot of people don't. They, they, they tend to leave out that part. They think that just because you have chosen to become a Christian, then that means everything's going to be great for you all the time. Well, look at his life. Where did you get that from? <laughs> okay? Look at the life of the disciples. Where did you get that from? <clears throat> I, I, I don't think I've ever personally known of anyone to have lives as harsh as theirs were. There is nothing that says that this is going to be easy. He tells us we're going to be persecuted for his sake. We're going to have some rough times. And, and I, I speak of this very much so right now in the days that we have to come. We're going to have some hard times as Christians. There's no doubt about it. But we know that the reward will be great. There's anticipation. Um, there... A kind of uh, put that side by side with like a soldier, a patriot, I guess you could say. You can withstand that because of what you believe in and what you know is to come. Um, and we know the outcome. So we can stand in that. That no matter what we face, it's all good. Because the reward's going to be amazing. And it'll be so worth anything and everything we come up against. Um, <clears throat> what is going on in our world today? What has been going on in our world for like, well, really forever, but mainly highlighted the last couple of years. Um, this past year in particular. Um, these are circumstances. These are circumstances. And yes, they are put in front of our face every single day in every way possible. You know, it's all people are talking about, understandably. Um, and the media is hyping it up more and more every single day. It's in your face. But there's a reason for that. We are meant to be afraid. We are meant to look to our supposed government <laughs> for help and direction. We are meant to believe that they are here to help us and to take care of us. But these are circumstances. And we are not to be swayed by that. And we are not to look to anyone for direction and guidance except for the one, the one who we know has our best interest at heart. The one that we know will always guide and direct us in truth and in love and wants what's best for us. And that's what we should be looking to. And if we're doing that, then these circumstances, they can't sway us. They can't take away our joy. You know, we're told that when you have true joy, joy that comes from him, no one can take it from you. You have to give it to them. 
They cannot take it from you because you can't be swayed by your circumstances if you are getting your joy, true joy, from Him. Not temporary happiness, but true joy. True joy cannot be swayed by circumstances. And I put peace in that as well. That true, contented peace, it just cannot be swayed. As I started to say earlier, when things are going your way, it's really easy to feel happy and peaceful. But what about when you're in complete chaos? What about when your world is playing out the way ours is right now and you're bombarded on every single side about all these horrific possibilities and these things to come? Then how easy is it to maintain that happiness and that peace? Actually, it is easy if you're getting it from the right place. True peace, true joy, contentment that is not swayed by those circumstances because you know that no matter what happens, no matter what's coming down the tubes at you, you know how the story ends. You know how it plays out. You know that he promised that he wouldn't leave you, he wouldn't forsake you, and he will take care of you. That's where it comes from. And so no matter what's coming against you, you're good. You're totally good. <clears throat> Such a striking idea that a, a hard time or a dark time could still be a richly joyful and peaceful time. I find that often those times are the ones that teach me the most, and I do find them the, the richest. I've learned the most uh, I guess it's kind of like the um, the gold being refined. It doesn't become its pure gold. You know, it's most valuable, it's most priceless, it's most beautiful until it's been put through the fire. That's right. And these are the times where we're put through the fire. We're, we're tested. We're, we're purified. Um, those times have taught me the most in life. And I do feel like this is one of those times for many of us. We, we are in some very trying times, especially as Christians. And we have a choice. You know, um, we can give in to the fear. We can give in to the chaos. We can give in to um, false directions <clears throat> and demands. Or we can stand in confidence and contentment and peace. And again, I have a, a scripture to go along with that. But not there yet. Um, but that being said, let, let's go back to um, the whole contentment thing in the first place. I wanted to give you all the definition of contentment. Now, I have a study Bible. And I was reading some verses on contentment. <clears throat> and the first one I had was in 1 Timothy. And it gave the definition of contentment. And I thought it went along very well with exactly what we we're talking about here. It says it's a Greek word that means self-sufficiency and was used by Stoic philosophers to describe a person who was unflappable and unmoved by external circumstances. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, no, it's not. We usually when things content, you know, they just think happy. You know, they, they don't really think about 
not being moved by those external circumstances. But this is why I say true contentment versus what we think of with worldly contentment. Um, to me, I think anything that is of this world is temporal. It can change just like that, usually based on your circumstances. But a true contentment, joy, peace, even love cannot be changed by circumstances. They cannot be affected by circumstances simply because of the source that they come from. Um, but yeah, I was really surprised at, at that and pleased at that. But yes, that is what contentment was meant. <clears throat> A person who is unflappable and unmoved by external circumstances. Christians are to be satisfied and sufficient and not to seek for more than what God has already given them. He is the source of true contentment. The basic necessities of life are what ought to make Christians content. Paul does not condemn having possessions as long as God graciously provides them. He does, however, condemn a self-indulgent desire for money, which results from discontentment. So what he's talking about here is the fact that, you know, what I was saying earlier, we so often, <clears throat> kind of like what you were t talking about earlier too, not being able to wait to get to the next year and the next thing why because no matter what wonderful things we were given that year no matter what wonderful experiences that we had we tend to block those out in light of what we didn't have what we didn't get we as fleshly human beings tend to focus way more on the few things that we don't have than the ginormous list of the things that we do have, <laughs> you know? I, 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 I would say I don't know why we do that, but I do know it, it's, it's that flesh nature, that sin nature. Um, if we were to actually sit down and make a list of all of the things we had versus the things we don't have, which one do you think we'd, like, run out of paper on, <laughs> you know? But all we think about, what is prevalent in our heads and our minds, are the few things we don't. And that's what we let control our feelings. And our actions, our words, everything. It's those few things that we don't have. And I believe that's what Paul is talking about here, is constantly chasing after what we don't have. And not being content with what we do. If one were to really believe that God will provide us with everything that we need, then if we don't have it, my guess is we don't need it. And once we get these things that we think we need, how long is it before we think we need something bigger and something better or something else? How many of us live our lives saying, I'll be happy when I have this or I get that? I get this job, I get that promotion, I move here, I have a boyfriend, I have a girlfriend, I'm married, um, when I have children, when I get away from this, you know, whatever it is, we, we're always hinging our happiness on something that we get. Instead of being happy with what we have. And I really think that's what he was talking about there. And that leads to <laughs> our tea quote. Oh, yeah. 
quite ready <laughs> Can I just give a little um, context that these quotes are uh, not always exactly inspiring? <laughs> I don't mean that they're bad, but they're just a little eccentric, you might say. A little odd, yeah. They're good for a laugh. <laughs> this man... I don't know who the Minister Lee actually is. I certainly intend no disrespect. He's just very, very into tea. We assume it's a man. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. It could be a man. <laughs> we well, that's just as the mystery. Yes. But this particular quote, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. It was the last part that really sparked it with us. But it was talking about um, the of being content. And it said... That the state of contentment was wanting what you already have. And I thought that was the most spectacular way of putting it. It's so simple. It's so straightforward. And I have never forgotten it. Um, uh, and it, it sparked this whole thing. You know, just wanting what you already have. How hard is that? You know, but it seems to be extremely hard for humans. To be able to do that, we always want something else. No sooner than you get what you thought you wanted so badly, you immediately want something else. But what if you just wanted what you already had? Think of how much more peaceful that would be and how much happier you would be if you just wanted what you already have. So imagine my surprise, though, and I haven't shared this with Sierra yet either. <laughs> Imagine my surprise when I thought that this was such a profound thought <clears throat> when I discovered that this is actually in the Bible. <laughs> you know, I'm not that surprised. Hebrews 13, verse 5. <laughs> it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. <laughs> For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, I chose this for two reasons. One, because yes, I wanted to show that this uh, profound statement that we got actually comes from the Bible. <laughs> but secondly, you know, we were talking about our current circumstances right now and how so many of us um, are probably feeling fear and apprehension at the days ahead. And I thought this was so um, appropriate, you know, applicable to it. Um, looking at the notes on that verse, okay, first it talks about covetousness. You know, we know that that is basically wanting something that we don't have. Um, they define it as lusting after material riches is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. Then it talks about where it says, I will never. Now, this is the part that really spoke to me. The believers can be content in every situation. I want to emphasis or put the emphasis on that. Every situation. That means no matter what the circumstances. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it appears to be, um, every situation, because of this promise, five negatives are utilized in this statement to emphasize the impossibility of Christ deserting believers. It is like saying there is absolutely no way whatsoever that I will ever, ever leave you. <laughs> 
How amazing and comforting is that? <laughs> then when it talks about boldly, it's not the usual word for boldness. This word has the idea of being confident and courageous. And that's where it brought back to me again, the whole, the idea of being a soldier. Being confident and courageous and just boldly standing. Why? Because he said there is absolutely no way whatsoever that he would ever, ever leave us. No matter what the circumstances are. No matter what the circumstances are. And I know there are a lot of different circumstances right now, you know, um, and it could be what's going on in our world, it could be what's going on in our home, it could be what's going on in our family, our marriage, our health, whatever. <clears throat> but you know, another one of those quotes that I have um, from the book that we were working on, uh, was talking about how our joy was found in our relationship with him. And when you read something like that, how could you not experience joy from that? Because it means that no matter what your home life is like, bleh, sorry, home life is like, your family life, your marriage, your health, um, your job, or what's going on in the world around us, you have a relationship with someone who has already told you, he's got you, he loves you, he wants the very best, his best for you, and that there's no way, no matter what you do, no matter what's going on, no matter what it looks like, that he would ever, ever leave you. He's still there, he's still working, and he's working for your best. If that you can't find joy in that, <laughs> I, I I just I despair of what you can find joy in. I really do. And if you can keep that in your mind and in your heart and in the forefront, nothing should be able to rock you. You know, that to me that that gives the epitome of He is our rock. Hopefully, it takes me back to when we first started the Psalm study and this talking about the the righteous man who is, you know, the strong, healthy trees planted by the water and, you know, whatever gales or whatever comes against it, it can't move. Exactly. It has what it needs. Perfect analogy for that. Yes, exactly. Um, that's the thing, is getting what you need from the right source. It also takes us back to the, the true vine ah, section. Yes. <laughs> and these were the things that he felt important to tell his disciples in preparation, you know, the fact that he would be leaving them soon. Yes, returning to the spirit, but, you know, to send them out into the world, you know, that was, what he found important was, you know, talking about abiding in him as the source of nourishment. And after that, he said, I'm telling you these things so that your joy will be complete and my joy will be in you. Yeah, and yet we miss it so often. It's such a simple thing. It's such a profound thing. And we miss it. Because we let it get blotted out by all these things that are in our face. Um, <clears throat> we're told it so many times. You know, one of the, the verses that I had that I wanted to share, you know, everybody I think is familiar with this verse. Everybody has to know this verse. 
Philippians 4.11, where Paul, once again, where he said, now think about the life of Paul <laughs> and, and all of the many circumstances, you know, that, that he has found himself in that we couldn't even begin to imagine having to endure. He said, I have learned in whatsoever, whatsoever state I am to be content. He went on to explain, if we remember the rest of the chapter, you know, he knew good times. He knew bad times. He knew horrific times. He knew being hungry. He knew being thirsty. He knew being beaten and imprisoned. Um, but no matter what he was experiencing, he was content. Because it didn't change the fact that he had God's love. He had his protection and his provision. And if he needed anything, he knew he would have it. It would be given to him. And he knew that the reward would be great for what he was enduring. So it didn't matter. He was content. He tells us that. Again, it's, it's one sentence. It's very simple. But it's very profound. And we, we tend to read over the top of it. Or we tend to look at him as some sort of biblical superhero who somehow has superpowers and it's easy for him you know and it's just not the case I mean everything we read about his life or any of the disciples lives they were regular men just like us and you know often people say they faced the same trials and hardships as us you know what that's just not true they faced way more harsh and worse trials and hardships than us. More than we could ever imagine. But they did it content. They did it with joy. They set an example, which is why we have their stories in the first place. is to show us that we can do this. And we can do it very simply. We just have to stop listening to the world and giving into the flesh and focus on where our joy and our contentment is supposed to come from. Because sadly, discontentment, <clears throat> that's the other half of this, um, discontentment is what leads to, I would venture to say, the majority of the problems that we have in this world. Discontentment stills our joy. Discontentment stills our happiness. It's destroys relationships, families, marriages. It can lead to um, job loss. Um, can lead to depression. It, it all stems from discontentment. And I'd written down a while back some quotes that I thought would be very appropriate for this. But discontentment can sometimes linger and even leak out. Yahweh help me guard my mind and refocus my thoughts so that all my actions honor you. Now I put that in there with that because when our discontentment lingers, that means that we continue to feed it. We don't dispel it as soon as we realize that it's happening. We let it linger. We let it sit there and marinate, so to speak. Okay? Because what does marinating do? I, I often think about this. People talk about let it marinate. What does marinating do? 
you know, it's all encompassing it, it's soaking in. Exactly. It's soaking it in, it's filling it with it. Okay, so you let that discontentment sit there and just soak all in and just fill you throughout. Yeah, it's going to leak out. It's going to leak out onto everything around you. It's going to leak out to what you think, what you say, what you feel, how you act. It's going to start to control everything simply because you were discontent about something. So it led to a Jonathan Edwards quote that I also wrote down a long time ago. <clears throat> Resolved, whenever my feelings begin to appear in the least out of order, when I am conscious of the least uneasiness within or the least irregularity without, I will then subject myself to the strictest examination. Now, I know that's a lot of fancy speak, because, you know, back in the day. Isn't he that guy, like, from my dictation? Jonathan yeah. Edwards, very possible. He's <laughs> the longest dictation <laughs> But, you know, if you think about it, basically all he's saying here is that when he started to notice these discontented feelings within, or he started to notice that his actions were not in line with what they should be, he had to stop and examine where this was coming from. What was the source of it? You know, it's like many of us say that we notice that when we haven't been in the Word for a while or we haven't been in prayer, um, true, you know, personal, intense prayer with the Lord for a while, we start to notice our, um, our behaviors, our actions start to get less than what they should be. And we realize, hey, you know what? That's because I, I haven't been spending my time with him as much lately. I need to get back into it. Well, in this case, I think he's trying to say is that when he starts to notice that he's not behaving in his usual manner, um, or he's feeling these feelings of discontent, anger, bitterness, whatever, it's time to examine where this is coming from. And... We have to, when we feel, and I love the fact that he said it three times, the least, the least out of order. Okay, he said, and he said the least uneasiness, the least irregular. In other words, don't wait until it gets out of hand and you've already ruined things, burned bridges, caused chaos. You know, when you feel the least little bit or you observe the least little bit in your behavior, that's when you nip it in the bud. Okay, this is coming from a source of discontentment, unhappiness, whatever you want to label it. Where is that coming from? I can tell you all roads lead back to having things your way. <laughs> that's just what it that's what it stems from. We get discontent when we don't have something the way we want it. Or we don't have what we want. Keyword being we all roads lead back to that. And you've got to nip that in the bud. You gotta pull that out. You gotta bring it to the Lord and you gotta tell him, I'm sorry. I give this to you. I want what you want. Your will be done, not mine. And that contentment can be restored if you truly mean that. <clears throat> it is in our nature to have these moments of discontentment. But we have to root them out, just as he said. 
So when we start to feel these little nigglings, when we start to see these signs, it's time to put yourself under that strictest examination that he talks about and figure out where it's coming from and get rid of it before it leads to further things. Um, that leads me with my final thought. I don't know if you have more to say or not, but my final thought. Um, I, uh, pretty sure this also came from that book, but it said, Faithfulness, as nothing else does, enables us to live in the present moment. We kind of touched on that a little while ago. Um, and I realize this doesn't say content, but when we are content, it's because we're thankful for what we have, right? We're not chasing after something else. We're, we're thankful for what we have. And as I was saying a while ago, when we are chasing after something else, and I think you mentioned this earlier too, yeah, when we're talking about the years, not being happy where you're at, you're constantly chasing over, I mean, chasing after what's to come. Always expecting something better, something greater, and you fail to see what you already have and how wonderful and great it is and appreciate it. And I had a moment like that. Um, I think it was, yeah, it would have been Saturday. <clears throat> um, you know, I was talking about, I started this out talking about some of the changes that took place in my household during the lockdown. Things that I prayed for. For years, like literally years, I have journals filled with prayers. And Saturday, that's when we do our, our Bible studies, is on Saturday night. <clears throat> and I had one of those moments, you know, I think everybody's had these moments from time to time where suddenly you're just very aware of your present moment and your present circumstances. And it's like you just take a picture in your head to remember it, you know, always. And I had one of those moments. I'm sitting there on my couch, cross-stitching, because I find that very peaceful. I'm surrounded by my family. Um, I have one daughter who was finger-knitting, and another one was writing poetry. And um, My husband was reading God's Word to us, and I'm listening to him doing something that I had prayed for for years. I'm listening to the hiss and the crackle of a fire. Um, I'm sitting in a home. My stomach's filled. My family is surrounding me. We're all healthy and well. And I was just, I knew such peace and joy and contentment in these things. Because I had all that I needed, and it was what I wanted. And I realized what a major blessing I had in seeing this moment that just, you know, all the blessings I have experienced over this past year, where I was, that these were things that I prayed for, you know, so much, and I have all of this. And to some people... That might would have seemed like a dull Saturday night. To me, it was everything. <laughs> I felt that way that night, too. It's, a, it's kind of a subject I'm passionate about because, I mean, just flying through something and always looking somewhere else and 
you realize, you know, how much that you didn't actually experience, even though you were there, you were just kind of existing through it. You know, I try to, to actually live and experience the moment I'm going through. I feel that way too. I think it's the difference between existing and being present. You know, act actively participating in your life, feeling it, um, thinking on it, expressing it. You know, um, to me, like I said, that that's what that moment was for me. And like I said, a lot of people that would probably not be a blip on their radar. <laughs> they would never even, you know, it would seem like such a um, unexciting event, you know, in their life. But for me, that was a moment that just I felt like the, that that God touched me in that moment to look and to see, see how far you've come, see how all these prayers that you had have been answered, see how wonderful your life is and what all I've given you and you've been blessed with and I feel like he was also now wait for what's to come you know and I just knew such a peace and such a contentment and such an extreme joy and I feel like it just further solidified my feeling and this whole state of like I said, no matter what our circumstances look right now, trust me, I am not blind. I very much keep up with the current affairs. My Sierra can attest to that. <laughs> I'm very much aware of what's going on. I'm very much aware of what could be coming down shoots at us. Um, I'm just not shaken by it because I know what he's told me and I believe him. And I fully believe that he is not going to leave me and he is not going to forsake me and he is going to provide for us. Um, so it's not shaking me and I still know extreme joy and I still know extreme peace. Um, and for those who know me personally, you know some of the things that I have experienced in the last few years. You know that I am fully aware of issues within uh, everything from family life, to marital life, to financial status, um, everything that, that could steal your joy. And it is through those trials and those fires that I have learned this lesson so very well. So if you think it's just that I don't know, that I don't understand, yes, I probably do. <laughs> Far better than I probably ever wanted, but I have learned this lesson well. And I think it's more important than ever in the times that we are facing right now that we as Christians, as in followers of Christ, learn to seek our joy, our contentment, our peace from the only person and the only source that can actually give it. And to stand in it so strongly that no matter what comes our way, from whatever source it comes from, it can't steal it. It can't shake us. Not unless we give it away. I realize that your um, roller coaster metaphor, roller coaster <laughs> of life, as you would, <laughs> it 
also illustrates the importance of knowing who's in control because the reason that roller coasters are scary is because <laughs> in case y'all haven't noticed she is not a thrill seeker nor a fan of rides <laughs> no. people have died on roller coasters yes okay? i know <laughs> i always thought that that was just so messed up because it's like they were doing something just to have fun and they died doing like they went I don't know, I probably shouldn't get involved that way. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I've dwelt on that topic before about the many angles of why that's terrible. And it's, you can, so you have no control. And a roller coaster is, is just being controlled by this mechanism, right? It's just this machine, basically, that you're on. And you, that can mess up. So you don't feel very safe. If you're thinking about the fact that that is what is in control, and you know, you can't rely on that. Even if it were a person operating it, you couldn't really rely on them either. But if you were picturing just, you know, just God, just holding you, moving you around, and feeling his, you know, his hand, then you wouldn't be scared. So you have to realize who's in control in the life situation accordingly. Very true. Very, very true. It comes back to, you know, you can't trust man. I don't care how good or faithful or godly the person is. They just were not built to be everything to you. They were never created for that. And you're always going to get let down or disappointed in some way. You can't put your trust in man. You can only put it in him. And... In him, our trust is safe. No matter what it might look like, you know. Go back to the roller coaster thing. <laughs> now, I get your point that, yes, things could go very wrong. But let's say that God created the roller coaster. Okay. okay. And you have those parts where it looks like you're headed straight down. And you're going to crash into the ground. And your death is imminent. Okay. <laughs> Even if it looks that way. We know that he is in control, and it'll be okay. He's going to pull us out. And what often happens after that plummeting part on the roller coaster? You go up. <laughs> you soar. And that is often the result of those plummets in our journey with him, is that it's always followed by soaring. I think that is one great joy that you can take when times are very bad is that it just seems so often like the the best times come after the worst times. Exactly. Um, like the you know, the prettiest morning after the darkest night. Um I, w I was uh, illustrating there is a truth that you know that I've learned and I was actually telling um one of them the other day about this about for instance when you need to clear out your room and you know it's kind of kind of junky because it's got like things are shoved up in different areas and in order to purge it and clean it out you're going to have to actually take them out and it looks like you have an even bigger and worse mess than you did before <laughs> i think this is fitting because we got our other quote from the tea box well i got this from a dove chocolate wrapper <laughs> not lying <laughs> Our great <laughs> theological sources. <laughs> Never underestimate. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and this was that, do you remember this? Sometimes things have to fall apart in order to come together. Mm. Very true. I, I could list several instances in my life where that has happened. And, you know, we're so resistant to that, though. We're, we're so afraid of letting things fall apart. Because we're so afraid it's not going to come back together. But that is your true testament of faith there. If you have faith that he'll not only put it back together, but far better than it was. You know, I often think about, I think it's a, a Chinese proverb about the vases. How they took the broken pieces <clears throat> and they put them back together and created something more beautiful. And they often filled the cracks with gold. So that the cracks were the most beautiful and valuable part of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I always thought that was a very good way to put it. But we are. We're so resistant to that. Even if something as simple as you like you were talking about with the room. We, we tend to not give the rooms sometimes as good and thorough a cleaning as it needs. Because we don't want to pull all the stuff out. Because then we think, oh my goodness. Then i got to put all of that back. And that's so much trouble. And, you know. But... Another interesting analogy found in there is that once you pull all the stuff out, not only can you do it a uh, far more thorough cleaning, but how often do you discover something that yes. you were missing, yes. <laughs> that you, you lost? Things that you lost. <laughs> exactly. And you also get a clear view of what you don't need. And there's been plenty of times, uh, maybe this is a normal thing probably, where, you know, I'm, I started, I went ahead and started a cleaning project, and I'm in the middle of it, I look around and everything, and I'm like, I wish I didn't do this. <laughs> you get overwhelmed. <laughs> now I'm stuck. <laughs> now I have to finish it. <laughs> but afterwards, and, and it's like, you're amazed at how clean it is afterwards, and when some of the stuff's gone, and some of the stuff you found, it's like you didn't even realize the point that it had gotten to, and you would never go back. Exactly, and you find contentment in that, do you not? And a peace and a freshness. Um, but, you know, the reason why we do hit that moment where we're so overwhelmed is because we're focusing on our current circumstances instead of the end result. If we kept our eye on the end result, we wouldn't get overwhelmed and we could just keep going. Um, so, yeah, it's a very good analogy all the way around. Um, but, yeah, but speaking of the tea quotes, I did have one more. And it said... Happiness needs no cause. <laughs> like that I, I thought that. that yeah, I, I almost did too, um, but I went back over them again today because I remember there was a second one, and I found that they just tied together so well. Um, happiness, contentment, joy, to me, it, it's all the same um, and the same source. And that's just it. We are always looking for something to bring us happiness. But happiness needs no cause. Our joy comes from our relationship with him. And in him, we should always know happiness and, and joy because we have everything we need from him. And why would that not bring you happiness? You have everything you need at all times, regardless of circumstances or cause. That kind of happiness is temporal. It has no real value, no real depth, no real meaning, and it's never going to bring you joy. And it can always be stolen from you in a matter of seconds. So thank you, Minister Luke. 
I don't know. That might be a bit odd. Um, <laughs> but interesting. Yes. Um, I do feel, though, that he, judging from some of the things that I, I did find, that he got a lot of his inspiration from God's Word. And I do admire that and appreciate that. Um, but yes, we, we've had some interesting sources for y'all today. Um, pay attention to your your teas and your chocolate. <laughs> Never know where you might learn something. God might speak to you through something. <laughs> we are not sponsored by the Republic of Cheese, Milano, or Dove. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> we just happen to be fans. <laughs> but, <laughs> seriously, I do think that God can speak to us through anything, as they say the Lord works in mysterious ways, <laughs> and through interesting and mysterious sources. Um, you just have to be paying attention. Ultimate source, of course, is his word. Um, but I, I think that wraps up all of my thoughts, unless you have something you'd like to finish with. The only thing I can think of is that I can think of a, a biblical account that is a good illustration of what we were talking about. And that's when, I think it was in Ezra? And the exiles were returning, and they repaired the foundation of Solomon's temple. And it talks about, I even talked about this like way back when I did one of those videos with the painting, I think. But um, pe people who had seen the temple before, you know, in its former glory, were wailing. Because um, I, I guess, you know, it's like this wasn't as good as it was. And they were comparing them, and I just feeling like they can never go back to that. While other people, um, who I think they pointed out people who hadn't seen the temple before, were, you know, gladly shouting and rejoicing, like, you know, this is the, this new, this is the fruition of this that was dreamed of, and that was promised to us. And, it, and that you couldn't distinguish the, the shouts of joy from the wailing, because of wow. this mixed response, and... Um, then what, what God said to them was that he would make this latter house better than the former. And I feel like that's a, a continual promise. I think so, too. Um, two things come to my mind in that. One is that comparison is a thief of our contentment and joy. Number two, it brings to mind that verse that you and I both love so much where God flat out tells us, do not look back on former things. He's bringing about a new thing. No, no, why? <laughs> I do think it's a continuous promise. Um, it, to, to continue to live in the past is only going to steal your joy. I mean, that, I'm not to say that we shouldn't have, you know, good memories. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, of course. But to compare it or to dwell on bad memories or thoughts from our past, um, or to look at our past in favor over our present, that can only lead to discontentment and instill our joy. If we are putting our present and our future in his hands, I do believe it's only going to get better because he's always giving us his best and he wants us to have an abundant life. And the only thing that stands in the way of that is us. Yeah, I think that's a good one to, to end on. 
because we do tend to do that a lot. And people are always saying how they wish they could go back to their childhood or some form of the good old days and they will never be as good again. And it occurred to me, you know, it's maybe it's because their their heads are stuck in those days that they're not seeing what they have right now that is as good as or better than they have been. Maybe they enjoyed those times so much because they weren't stuck thinking about something else. That's a very good, very good probability there. Uh, I think also, though, that that has a lot to do with what the world tells us, too, because the things that the world builds up to us is youth. Um, levels of uh, accomplishment, you know, success. Um, when you think about the times that we often looked the best in our life, felt the best in our life, or probably achieved what seemed like highly successful things in our, it's in our youth. Um, those are the things that the world promotes to us as the best things. And so that's what we often look back on and we focus on. When, <clears throat> if you really look at the things that hold the true value in life, the priceless things, they're the things you're experiencing right now. And when you look at it that way, if we're honest with ourselves, we wouldn't trade it for a minute. If I were to go back, I mean, I yeah, I had some wonderful days in my youth, but if I were to have to go back to that time, I think I would be miserable for all that I would miss and would have lost that I have now. For the empty things that I had then. I don't like to think of the good things of the past as something lost either. I... Don't know who said it, but someone in the, that book I have in there said something along the lines of what the heart has known and loved, it can never lose. Hmm. You don't lose in their memories. They're there. But I think if, if, you know, people always say if I could go back in time, if I could just be that again, I wouldn't want to do that because I would lose what I have now. And those mm-hmm. things would seem so empty to me now. Because they don't have the value of the things that I have now. But they're all experiences that shape us, good and bad. They all shape us into the people that we are. You think that one day, what you have now will be something that you look back on fondly? If you take the time to experience it. Instead of rushing on to the next best thing. When you're probably living the best thing. <laughs> Profound moment there, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Letting it marinate. Okay. <clears throat> well, I guess um, we're going to end there with our thoughts and conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed all of this. Um, and I guess we'll be talking to you again soon. Bye, everyone. Bye.